within 30, 40, 50 miles, come out and worship with us. Our services begin in the morning uh, with Bible classes at 10 a.m. Bible classes at 10. Our worship begins now at 11, uh, 1045 and 11 o'clock. We're glad to have all of you who are here with us. We invite all of you who are watching, tuning in by sermon, audio, video, by Ustream, and by YouTube. The Bible says, David wrote in Psalm 135, Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord, you that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. And that is what we're going to do. Join us now as we praise the Lord. Joshua Waltz will lead us. Good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you this morning. And Merry Christmas. Christmas this week, right? Number 100 in the hymnal. Oh, come all ye faithful. You know, of course, it's probably not the time when our Lord was actually born, but we celebrated on December 25th, and so, hey, I love singing about the birth of our Lord. So, if you would all stand with me, number 100. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. King of angels, oh come let us adore him, oh come let us adore him, oh come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing choirs of angels, sing in exaltation, sing all ye bright hosts of heaven above glory to god glory in the highest oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore oh come let us adore him christ the lord Happy morning, Jesus, to Thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, oh come let us adore, oh come let us adore Him, oh come let us adore him Christ the Lord. Amen. You all can be seated and we'll have some announcements. Good morning. 
welcome you all to the services of Grace Church at Franklin today and say a special welcome to any first-time visitors that we have here with us. And if you did not get an opportunity to sign the register that's located in the foyer, we ask that you would do that as you depart just so that we might have a record of your attendance. <clears throat> we want to continue to remember some prayers before the Lord and as he calls them to your mind this week, lift them up before him. Carolyn Bad has asked prayer. She has had several mini strokes and her kidneys are not functioning well again. So let's continue to remember her. Right now she is too weak to attend church but certainly desires to be here. We also want to continue to remember Wally and Mary Haddon before the Lord and ask the Lord to intervene on Wally's behalf. <clears throat> we want to continue to remember Billy Morton, who is recovering well from the recent bout of COVID. We want to continue to lift him up. Also continue to remember my uncle, who has been diagnosed with prostate cancer that's pretty much taken over his entire pelvic region. <clears throat> I took my mom to the ER last night. She had a bout of severe dizziness and nausea and headache and numbness in her left hand and blood pressure of 225 over 80 and several other things. But uh, after a five-hour ER visit, she checked out with no, no problems other than some high blood pressure. So continue to remember her as she recovers from that episode and as we continue to monitor her blood pressure in the days ahead. I also want to ask you to continue to remember Joe and Beth's niece, Laura Jackson, before the Lord. Also continue to remember Pat Jackson, uh, Carl and Ruby Perry, and Shirley Murphy. I see Shirley's not here again today, so let's remember her. Also for Angela Whitley, uh, Evelyn Carrico's sister, Betty, who is having some health issues, and certainly want to remember Howie Smith as he continues to serve in our military. <clears throat> Tabitha mentioned that her husband, Greg, is doing well after his recent gallbladder surgery, and asked that you continue to remember her grandson, Vinny, who is an autistic uh, child who has a, an earache and doesn't want to take any medications because of his autistic uh, nature. So let's continue to remember him as he suffers that earache. As our pastor mentioned, we do have Sunday school here, Sunday mornings beginning at 10 a.m., but for the next two Sundays, we will not have Sunday school. So church will start at its regular time at 1045. We encourage you to be here for that. Is there any other prayer announcements that I'm not aware of? Okay. So for those of you watching via the internet or those who may not have heard, Mark Ross, his grandson, about 24 years old, uh, passed away yesterday from leukemia. So let's continue to remember Mark and his family in that lost. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Okay, Field. All right. So remember Heather Field, who is having surgery tomorrow to repair a hole in her eardrum. And anyone else? All right. Thank you so much. Let's uh, remember to pray to the Lord to bless our speaker today as well. Thank you. everybody yeah that young man's name was Mark Mullen he was about a year younger than I am I think so I think he was a little older than 24 but from his diagnosis to the time the Lord went ahead and took him was only about a week or two so really very shocking so yeah if you would remember them before the Lord 
Let's see, what's our next number in the hymnal, Miss Sue? I forgot my binder again this morning. 90. It came upon a midnight clear. I'm glad I've got Sue over there keeping things together. Number 90 in the hymnal. It came upon a midnight clear That glorious song of old From angels bending near the earth To touch their harps of gold Peace on the earth, goodwill Gracious King, the world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. Still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled, and still their heavenly music floats o'er all the weary world. Above its sad and lowly plain, they bend on hovering wing, and ever o'er those babble sounds the blessed sing and ye beneath life's crushing load whose forms are bending low who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow look now for glad and swiftly on the wing Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing For lo, the days are hastening on by prophet bards foretold Love all these old Christmas hymns. 87, Joy to the World. I'll let y'all stay seated this time because we'll stand up in just a minute with Brother Bill doing something. Let's all uh, give thanks to Justin for playing with us this morning on bass. Trace is out of town, so I'm really thankful to have him with us. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let 
heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing joy to the earth the savior and same into that and then their songs employ while fields and floods rocks hills and plains repeat the sounding joy repeat the sounding joy repeat repeat the sounding joy no more let sins and sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found far as the curse is found far as far as the curse is found he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his love how about that one part again joy to the earth the savior reigns let men their songs implore that's verse 2 while fields and floods rocks hills and plains repeat the sounding joy repeat the sounding joy repeat repeat the sounding joy and what is that joy the savior reigns everybody hear that oh people of the earth jesus christ reigns whether or not you like it or not <laughs> he is lord and king <laughs> all right well love you guys merry christmas all right good to see all of you today let's stand up together and sing What kind of a god do we serve? We serve a mighty god. Mighty god. When the Lord Jesus Christ was going to be born, they called him the mighty god, the everlasting prince of peace and the savior. Let's sing this. What a mighty god we serve. What a mighty god we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth What a mighty God we serve. One more time. What a mighty God we serve. Mighty God. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord. Jesus, 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 oh, what a mighty God we serve. 
mighty God we serve. I will call upon the Lord, for He is worthy to be some special people here. There's Griffin, Levi, and Amaya, and Mary Jane, and I call their daddy and her husband Dee because I have a hard time pronouncing his name, but they, they drove all the way from Mozambique, is that the way to pronounce it? Africa. They came to have worship with us. This is their home. Yeah, this is their house. Bill baptized D when was it last December? Right, and we're just during the year of the Corona. <laughs> yeah, and we just love them, uh, and uh, they're back for the holidays. But they did buy a house in Spring Hill, didn't you? So that's a good investment. <laughs> you don't know how good that is. <laughs> but listen, um, y'all, they're a precious family, and uh, we're glad to have them. So be sure you. Say hello to them as your brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? They got three kids over there. Yeah. They started out right. They started out with three. Three. They <laughs> triplets. had triplets. <laughs> I'm telling you. And let's see if I can remember. There's uh, Levi, uh, Amaya, and Griffin. You got Is it. that correct? <laughs> okay. I'm surprised I remembered it. I'm a face person. <laughs> I don't forget faces. Lynn remembers yeah. the names and the birthdays and the rest of it. Glad to yeah, have you all Yeah, we're glad today. to have all of you. It's a privilege to hear the Word of God, isn't it? 
Amen. Yes, sir, it is, and to hear the truth about the word and about the Lord. Amen. Over the years here at Grace Church, we have been blessed with really all kind of talent. Today, for example, Sue's son, Justin, played the bass for us because Trace is in California. Let's give Justin an appreciative <laughs> round of applause, okay? Let's thank him for that. Believe me, when that bass is not there, you really miss it. It carries the rhythm, it fills in in the back, and he is a talented, talented fellow, plays some piano as well as the bass. We've been blessed, blessed with, uh, with musicians over the years, and today we're going to have a special song by a friend of mine. I met him, of all places, in Kroger. I think he'd been watching our, our YouTube or Ustream. Yeah, come on up, Keith, and get yourself in position. And uh, I think uh, maybe, do we have his name to put up on the screen? There it is, right there. His name is Keith Timothy Anderson. And the reason I'm putting this up there, first of all, you see that camsongs.com. Uh, you can order his music through that. And the reason I'm pushing that is because, as I told Brother Dale this morning, I believe that Christians should promote other Christians first. If there's not somebody around that you notice, a brother or a sister in the Lord in some type of business, then you can go beyond that. But his, his theme verse is right there, Romans 5, 8, God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, he is a graduate uh, of a the University of Wisconsin in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Uh, he graduated from that college with a degree in vocal music and a minor in piano. And here's what I like about his music. Now, he uses two names. If you go on there and you order just his piano, he has an album with just piano on it. And that piano music is, has been described as healing calming, reflective music. And you know what I thought about when I heard that? I thought about King Saul in the Bible. King Saul was a fellow that became agitated quite a bit, and who did he call to sing and play for it? He called David, and David would come and play for him, and it was exactly that. It was healing, calming, reflective music when David sang to King Saul. And this means a lot to me. I, I, I want to quote what he said. I wrote a quote down that he said. He said, the reason I can create music at all is because he has gifted me in such a way as to be able to do it. So I want to acknowledge him in all that I do, all that I think, and all that I create. That's a good testimony. We need some artists that way that have that kind of uh, testimony. So he's going to do a song for us. I believe the lyrics were written by Fanny Crosby, the blind lady, and it's called Lo, He Comes, but he put the music to it. So enjoy. Praise the Lord. All right. All right. Good morning, everybody. So glad uh, to be here to sing with you as we just did and now to sing for you. Um, just pray the Lord will minister to you through the words of this Christmas song. Thank you. 
That's the kind of music and lyrics that glorifies the Lord. I don't mind telling you, I'm not a, I was when I was a young person, I was in the music business, but uh, 
I've got a different rock now, and my name's on the roll, you know. <laughs> so I like to hear music that ministers to your heart, ministers to your spirit, uh, to your mind, and about the Lord Jesus Christ, and it has a reverence about it, and Keith's music and style does that. So I hope you'll consider uh, praying for him and uh, supporting him in any way that you can. Thank you, brother. That was, that was great. I don't know whether we should sing our song or not this morning, but uh, I guess we'll have you all stand together. I'd rather err on the side of singing it, I suppose. When we worship here, we always appeal to the Lord to help us who, are be, who will be listening and to, hit, to help the one who will be speaking to us. So this is a little song that we sing, a hymn of praise, a hymn of petition to the Lord, asking him to help us. Father, I stretch my Thank you, Sue. And sometime back, a dear brother and sister who worship with us, Tom and Linda Estes, mentioned to me a certain kind of ministry, a special ministry, a ministry to the unborn. And they said that the fellow that headed that up was named Scott. Horde, H-O-R-D, Scott Horde. And uh, so I thought about it, and I prayed about it, and uh, in time I contacted Scott, and we met, and we had some lunch together, and I quizzed him and picked him in a little bit and tried to find out what he was about and where he's coming from. And I think we got a genuine article here, just like uh, uh, Keith is genuine with his music. I think we've got a, a real deal. I think we have somebody here who doesn't just talk the talk, but walks the walk. Somebody said recently uh, about Grace Church, you know, some of us have been here a long time, and we're no longer, as we say down in South Georgia, we're no longer spring chickens. But if you want youth, if that's all you want, youth, you're not going to have anything to do with Christ because he's over 2,000 years old. I think that's wrong to put an emphasis on any kind of age. What we're looking for is truth. We're looking for truth. We're looking for where we can find the word of God, not just somebody that can make us feel good. We want to hear the word of God. David said, I have been young, 
and I am old, and I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his children begging for bread. This is a time of the year. You'll pardon me for being blunt with you, but that's my job to tell you the truth. This is a time of the year when people are going to get so caught up with the birth of Christ, they're going to forget Christ. And I wonder how many will be in worship next week because they were celebrating the birth of Christ and they forget Christ himself. Something's wrong with that. Something is wrong with that. You know, I spoke one year on why I love Jesus Christ more than Santa Claus. I spoke on that. That was one of the most popular messages I brought. <laughs> you know, Santa, he just comes once a year. The Lord Jesus is with me every morning when I wake up. Right? We give each other presents uh, when we ought to be giving him ourselves. Well, this is the time of the year when people are thinking about the birth of Christ one way or the other. And I was thinking the other day, what would have happened to him if he had been aborted? What would have happened to us if his mother had said, no, you know, I'm going to have to bear this mark, this stigmatism of having a child when I'm not married and I just don't want to bear up under that. What, what if that had happened? Now, I know the Lord knew all about it. I know the Lord knew that when he, when he called Mary and he chose her. But the point I'm making to you is our Lord Jesus Christ was born into this world, and that's why we have a Savior. This man is going to come to you today. I'm going to let him tell you about his ministry. He's from this area. He's from the area uh, here in Tennessee. And he has a, a ministry to the unborn. And it, 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 to my knowledge, and he can tell you exactly but there's been over, over or around about 300 babies that are alive today and well because of the Lord Jesus Scott Horton and his ministry. He's teaching other people now around the country about this. So give, give him a Grace Church welcome, would you? Scott, as you come. All right. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this season where we do rejoice in your birth and you coming. Thank you for bringing salvation. Thank you for bring, being Lord and King. Thank you for bringing justice and thank you for the justice that will come. We rejoice in you today. Thank you for a church and the courage of a pastor to open the door to address such a controversial topic, even in the church today. Thank you for courage. Thank you for boldness. Let your Holy Spirit speak now. We trust you in all things. Everybody say, amen. Well, good morning. It's a beautiful, beautiful church. Keith, great job. Thank you. Thank you for that blessing. I am. I'm Scott Horde. Um, from right here, believe it or not. I'm an old Nashvillian. I've been here for over 50 years. I grew up in South Nashville and uh, got married, lived in Nolensville for a little bit, lived in Franklin for a little bit. Now I'm in Smyrna, uh, where I pastored a church for 10 years. Now I'm a missionary to the unborn. I want to share my story with you. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Thank you, Lynn, for opening the door to this opportunity. Colossians 1.3, 
says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Verse 5 of Colossians 1 says this, Of this you have heard before, in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, and is bearing fruit and increasing. Did you hear that? It is bearing fruit and increasing. Paul said that many years ago, and it's still true today. The gospel is bearing fruit, and it is increasing. Philippians 1.6 says this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. A lot of times we take that verse and we use it for personal reasons, but it's really about the gospel and it's about the church. So think about it from that perspective, from the church. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And at the day of Jesus Christ, at the return of Jesus Christ, justice will come. This is good news, and we need a reminder of the good news. It's a good time for the church in America. It's a good time to be a Christian in America. The country needs now more than ever for the church to be the church and Christians to be Christians, to engage. It's time for the church to reach beyond the walls and to reach beyond the pews into our communities in the cities around us. Every day, I go to the streets of Nashville. Planned Parenthood kills babies Monday through Friday, 20 miles from this church. I am called as a missionary, as a Christian, to go and contend for the unborn, for the children that can't defend, for the children that can't speak for themselves. And as I stand there, it's not just about abortion, it's not just about the rescue of the children, but it's about bringing the gospel, the gospel that's bearing fruit, the gospel that is advancing, and bringing it to the streets. Half of my ministry has nothing to do with abortion. Half of it is just engaging everybody that I encounter on the streets every day. And let me tell you, our streets are filled with ignorance. Our streets are filled with rage and hopelessness and hard hearts and loneliness and addiction and darkness. And we have the answer. The church has the answer. The gospel is the answer to all of those things. Today's topic is tough. I'm talking about abortion. It's filled with all kinds of emotion. Anger, hurt, loss, depression, suicide, fear. You might be thinking, why are we talking about a political topic? It's not political. It's a moral issue. It's a church issue. It's a Jesus issue. I want you to know that I know that somebody in this room has been affected by it. The statistics say one in four women have had an abortion in this country. Some even say one in three. And it not only affects women, but it affects men equally. I stand every day outside of Planned Parenthood. I see the women come out every day, and I see the tears. I see the sobbing when they come out. They come back to me two years, 10 years, 
20 years, 40 years, 50 years later, they're still crying. I want you to know, and I, I speak on behalf of Pastor Bill as well, is there's no condemnation here. If you've experienced that, and if you're that one that's sitting here today, I love you. This church loves you. Pastor Bill and Lynn love you. The two questions I get asked by people who have aborted with tears in their eyes, they ask me two things. Is there mercy for me and does the pain end? There is mercy for you. God's grace, His mercy is immeasurable. You can't outkick His mercy. You can't outkick His grace. You can't outsin His mercy and grace. It's there for you if you turn to Him. The pain will always be with you. But God is a God. The God we serve is a redeeming God. And He could redeem that pain and use it for His glory. So I ask of you today, if you sit here in the midst of that pain and you have suppressed it, and you're sitting here today going, why did I show up today? I'm going to ask you to listen through the power of the Holy Spirit and lift your hands off that suppression and let Jesus be Jesus in this moment. You hear me? Don't let the pain steal from you anymore, but let Jesus be Jesus and let Him bring healing and let the suppression go and let Him speak to you today. He loves you. This church loves you. Your pastor loves you. It was seven years ago. I was in Louisville, Kentucky. I was pastoring a church in Smyrna. I was at a pastor's conference called Together for the Gospel, T for G. I was with 10,000 pastors. We were worshiping and singing beautiful hymns, just like we heard this morning. I heard a beautiful message, and then it was lunchtime, and we got dismissed. They sent 10,000 pastors into the street of Louisville to go eat and then to come back and hear another message and more worship. We left the arena. I was probably 5,000 deep in the midst of the, all the men that were walking down the street that day. I was intrigued because I thought, well, this is interesting. 10,000 men, they're going to have quite an impact on the city of Louisville. 10,000 Christians united together, walking together through Louisville. We might turn this city upside down, but nothing really happened. We were thinking about where we're going to eat. As I looked to the left, as we were walking through Louisville, I noticed there was a single just a lady standing by herself praying. I thought, well, that's intriguing. There's a lady praying, and we're all walking by, and nobody's asking her about why she's praying. I walked past her, felt convicted, and eventually went back to her. And I said, ma'am, excuse me, sorry to bother you. I see that you're praying, but I'm curious, why are you praying here? And she looked at me, she said, they kill children here. Like right here, she said, yeah. And it hit me, and I realized that 10,000 pastors just walked by and didn't see it. I realized that I was one of them. It messed my lunch up. I felt convicted for the rest of the day, ended up buying a bunch of homeless people lunch to make up for the guilt that I realized that I've ignored the injustice. Ended up putting that pain on the back burner. It would be a year later that the riots of Ferguson, Missouri would happen. And I don't know how it was in your church, but I know in my church, 
people were coming up to me saying, what are you going to do as a pastor about this injustice, about racism? I had an African-American man put his finger in my chest, and he says, what are you going to do, pastor? What are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to share Jesus. I'm going to evangelize. I'm going to share the gospel, because the gospel is the answer to racism. And he looked at me, and he put his finger back in my chest, and he said, it's not enough. What do you mean Jesus isn't enough? What do you mean the gospel isn't enough? He says, it's not enough. And it made me angry. The statement made me angry. I was angry at him. But what I didn't realize in the moment was the sovereignty of God and what God was doing in the moment, that God would use that anger and use that challenge to get me where I am today. I held that anger for 24 hours as a pastor. I was like, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? People were going and picketing. They were making signs. They were walking around Nashville. They were looking for the next African-American church in the community and figuring out how do we come together. Nobody really knew what to do, but I was angry. found myself in a coffee shop in Smyrna. I was trying to get into the Word. I was trying to begin to work on a message for the next week, and I was angry. I couldn't pray. I couldn't get into the Word. And so I began to talk to the Lord. I began to pray to Him. I said, Lord, would you take my anger? I'm angry at this individual that put his finger in my chest. I'm angry at the statement that the gospel isn't enough, that Jesus isn't enough. Would you take my anger and give me something in return? And I didn't hear anything. I'm still sitting there angry. And so in the midst of this cafe... The Starbucks, I put my hands up in a crowded Starbucks, and I said, take it, Lord. Take my anger. I don't want to be bitter, because I know if I'm bitter, I'll defile myself. I'll defile everybody around me. I'll be no good for my church. I'll be no good for my community. Take my anger and give me something in return. And he did. In that moment, he spoke to my heart, and he gave me two words, and he said, engage abortion." I was like, Lord, give me something else. Give me something else. But he burned it into my soul that day. Engage abortion. I didn't know the connection between racism and abortion. Do you? Do you know Margaret Sanger, who she is, the founder of Planned Parenthood, and what she thought about my beautiful brother with brown skin hair, black skin? She looked at you and said, you're a weed among flowers, that you're an animal unworthy to live. It was all founded on that principle. And I had no idea what the Lord was doing. I didn't know where they killed children. I didn't know if it was in Franklin, Smyrna, Murfreesboro. I didn't know, so I googled abortions and found two locations in Nashville. I found Welshwood and I found Planned Parenthood. Welshwood was just off Harding Place. So I'm familiar with that area. I'll go there. I went scared, not knowing what to do. Pastor, Christian, pretty comfortable in the Word, pretty comfortable praying. I was scared. I said, Lord, you show me what to do. I'll go and I'll sit in my car, I'll observe. Eventually I got there and I was observing. There was a lot of cars in the parking lot. There was a mom and a daughter that were lovingly talking to people going in. A situation happened where the mom got distracted and the young girl, maybe 13, was going 
toe-to-toe with an individual that was there to kill his child, and it was intense. I got out of my car. I needed to defend her. I went toe-to-toe with that individual verbally, logically, spiritually, emotionally. Two hours I left. He killed this child. I went to Thompson Lane. I was pumping gas. I looked at my hand. I was shaking. I said, Lord, is this what you want me to do? And he said, this is what I want you to do. I didn't tell my church. I was pastoring a church about this size. I didn't know what I was doing. But I said, all right, I'll go back and I'll learn the community and learn what's going on. And the first thing I learned about Welshwood was that the hill across behind McDonald's there was called Hell's Hill. There's an abortion facility in the middle. There's apartment complexes on either side. There's people all around. It's filled with drug addicts and prostitutes. The largest Muslim population in our whole region, maybe in our whole country, lives on the back side of that hill. And I learned it was called Hell's Hill. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, take the hill back. I said, all right, Lord, you show me how. What do I need? He gave me three words. Humility, love, and truth. And don't compromise any of them. Okay? So I would go and get out of my car and stand on the side of the street, not on the property. The door was closer than that door right there. The cars were right in front of me. People were getting out of the car. I said, all right, Holy Spirit, you show me what to say and what to do. And people would get out of their cars. And I'd say, hello, I'm Pastor Scott. Can I pray for you before you go in? Can I tell you about other options? I'll help you. Why are you here? I'll meet whatever need you have. How can I help? Can I adopt your child? Failure. 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 Lots of threats. But then one day, a young lady named Tina, she's walking by, Hi, Pastor Scott, I come in love. I'm not here to condemn you. I care for you. I want to help. Can I pray for you? And she came over to me. I prayed with her. She said, what do you want me to do? And I said, you're here for an ultrasound, and then you're going to kill your child? She said, yes. I said, well, let's go get an ultrasound somewhere else. And we did. We went into Nashville. We found a place. We got an ultrasound. She came out, showed me a picture of her ultrasound. She said, look at my boy. I said, he's beautiful. What are you going to do? And she says, I'm going to keep him. I went, what? You're going to keep him? You mean I can change somebody's mind? I can change somebody's mind. One person can change somebody's mind. And it breathed into me confidence and boldness. And I went back to that street. And the confidence of the Holy Spirit began to speak. And one rescue turned into two, to five, to ten, to twenty, to thirty. I realized my promise to these women was that I will walk with you and I'll help you and I'll meet whatever need you have. The needs were great. Moms couldn't pay rent. They were behind on their electric bills. When you're behind on an electric bill, it's no less than $500 every time. They didn't have food. Cars were being repossessed. All kinds of stuff. They didn't have work. They needed places to live. And I realized that personally, 
as a pastor, I couldn't afford the ministry. I was broke. I went back to my church and I stood in front of my church like this and began to tell them what I was doing. And my church looked at me and I didn't realize the impact, the shock that it would bring across my church. Three families just got up and walked out. People began to come up and say, hey, what are you doing? How are you representing the church? How are you representing Jesus there? So I'm not condemning them. I'm coming in love. Humility, but I'm not compromising truth. Eventually, moms began to show up at our church pregnant. Eventually, babies were born, and the church said, we're getting behind this. Our benevolence budget that year went from $12,000 to over $40,000 because we were helping moms and we are helping kids. And the church looked at me and said, Scott, you're killing our budget. They said, you've got to get bigger. You've got to go ask other churches to jump in. And so I created Operation Saving Life. And I began to ask other churches, but most churches were resistant and hesitant. So I would go back every Tuesday and Friday, and every Tuesday and Friday was a kill day. I knew on Tuesday and Friday they lined up appointments to kill children. I would go four hours each day, and I would begin to get more and more rescues. I remember one instance where I had a young man and woman that were sitting in their car maybe 20, 30 feet from me. The window was cracked about this much on the passenger side. The young man was sitting on the passenger side. And I just began to share the gospel and tell them about the goodness of our Lord and how that child was made in the image of God, but how they too were made in the image of God and what it means to be made in the image of God. That when you're made in the image of God, like all of us are, we're called to love. We're called to nurture. We're called to protect. We're called to live sacrificially for and not to sacrifice children. He gets out of the car, and he gets out, and he's a strong guy, a big guy. He shows no emotion, and he just looks at me. And I thought, oh no. This could be dangerous. And he just sits down, and he gets back in the car. He leaves the window cracked, and I see an opportunity to shoot the gospel through the little crack in that window. And I shoot Psalm 139. The Lord created that child in the womb. He intricately wove that child together. He says that child is fearfully and wonderfully made. The car starts shaking. I thought they were fighting. I thought he was going to hit her. But something else was happening. He gets out of the car and he stands and he's looking at me again. And again, I'm like, mm, this is it right here. He's going to come get me. And he begins to walk towards me. No emotion. Very big guy. And he throw, gets up to me, opens up his arms, and he grabs me and holds me. And he says, thank you. He says, whatever it was you were quoting, he says, in that moment, we have never felt the child move. And the child began to jump in my girlfriend's womb. It began to jump, and we began to cry. And we began to rejoice. I thank you. She gets out of the car and comes to us, and we're all in shock right now by that moment. And she comes up and she presents the most beautiful 
presentation of the gospel that I've ever heard. And we worshiped. We worshiped right there. There's a young lady that used to come off third shift, and she would go to these mailboxes that were real far away, hundreds of yards away, and she would cuss me out. She would yell. The neighborhood would hear it. It was embarrassing, but she would just yell. She was so angry at me. And every morning, I would say, hey, would you come to me? Would you come to me and talk to me face to face? And then one morning, she got the courage, and she did. She came storming down. And we're right in the middle of Welshwood, right in front of the abortion facility. And she's screaming at me. She's yelling at me. She's telling me what a horrible person I am and what I'm doing is just wrong. And I listened, and I listened. And finally, she paused, and I said, can I speak? She said, yes, and I began to speak. Gospel. Gospel. And I looked into her eyes, she began to cry. And I said, are you agree in agreement with everything that I'm saying? She said, yes. Gospel, gospel. Love, humility, truth. And she looks at me with tears in her eyes, and she says, is it possible to meet God in the middle of a street? I said, it is. I said, you have met God in the middle of the street. And she gave her life to the Lord right there. What I didn't know was that she was pregnant with her beautiful daughter. And every day that she came home, I was a reminder. I was conviction of what she wanted to do. She wanted to abort her daughter. And I brought conviction. She had her child. I baptized her in my church. She ended up getting three rescues. She ended up standing with me. We got three, she rescued three babies. Isn't that beautiful? It's the power of the gospel. A guy named Kevin used to stand behind me. He lived in the apartment complex. He was up on this hill about 20 feet behind me. And he used to stand and tell me how he was going to burn me alive. He said, Scott, I'm going to pour you in gas. I'm going to douse you in gas. And I'm going to throw a match on you. And I'm going to watch you burn. And I would listen to him, always overlooking my shoulder, of course, watching. And I'd always invite Kevin down. Kevin came down one day, and he was talking to me. And I'm praying. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to leave? Or do you have something for me to give him? And, he, and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, ask him what he needs. And he got done. There was a pause. I said, Kevin, what do you need? And he goes, what do you mean, what do I need? And I said, what do you need? And he said, toothpaste. I need toothpaste. And I thought, that's interesting. I'll get you toothpaste. And so I went to Walmart, got groceries, and put toothpaste at the top. And I came back, and he was sitting on a curb, and I handed him the groceries, and he just melted. He began to cry. He says, Scott, I know you're a pastor. I know you're a Christian. I hate pastors, and I hate Christians. My dad was a pastor. My family were Christians. And I was abused in that family. And they have disowned me. I hate you. And the Lord broke him. He gave his life to the Lord right there. He wanted to burn me alive. You know what he did right after that? From that point forward, he would stand on the hill behind me and he would hear the gospel. He would go around in the apartments, and he would collect wire, and he would fashion the wire as a cross. 
And when he would get done with his cross, he would come lay it at my feet and say, give this to the next woman that chooses life, Pastor Scott. That's the redemption of our Lord. And so the ministry that I'm involved with and that we are involved with, it's bigger than abortion. That's just several stories of thousands of stories that I'm encountering every day. It's amazing. As a pastor, I know the Lord works in this building and I know the Lord works here, but I can guarantee you the best of the church, the best of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will never be found in these pews. It will always be found where light meets darkness. And I'm seeing miracles. I'm seeing miracles. It's amazing how amazing our God is. And the redemption and the beauty of him is here. But oh, it is oh so good out there. Eventually, Hell's Hill would close. They were open for 30 years, 33 years. They killed over 70,000 children. But it's gone. And the Lord told me, go to Planned Parenthood and close it down too. And so, I began to go to Planned Parenthood. And I still go there today. When I went and started going there, it was quiet. They just killed children and people drove by. The community didn't even really know it existed. There was no fence. There was nothing. But I began to work the three sides of the property. And as people began to pull in, I began to have gospel conversations. And women began to change their minds and leave. And they noticed. They're like, there's some guy out there taking our customers. And he's being effective. We need to build a fence. So they built a fence. They put a blue tarp up. But you can't stop the gospel. You're not going to stop this Christian. I went and got a little ladder at Lowe's. <laughs> Just went up over the fence. And put ladders all around the fence. And so now I can go right up over that ladder and speak directly to you as you sit in your car. The tarp wouldn't hold up. It fell down, so they put up this black stuff, this uh, plastic stuff. But what it did is it now amplifies my voice as I speak, and my voice can now carry across the parking lot, and it blocks all the sound out from the road so people can hear me better, right? So the Lord is good. They brought in escorts. They brought in escorts. They brought in volunteers to stop me, to stop us. They're escorts. They escort people to death. They brought in two. It didn't work. They brought in... 10. It didn't work. They brought in 12. And today, on any given day, you might have two, you might have 12, but you still can't stop the gospel. The Lord is doing amazing stuff. I want to say this to you about the development of a child. At the moment of conception, there is a flash of light. At the moment of conception, a unique, one of a kind, never to be duplicated. Again, DNA is created. In that moment, hair color, eye color, sex have all been determined. At 22 days, the heart begins to beat. At week three, there's ears, there's eyes. At week six, fingers and toes. At week six to 11, the baby grows five times in size. At week 11, there's a smile, there's a frown, there's wiggling of fingers, and they begin to determine which thumb they want to suck. By 13, the baby can begin to hear vibrations. At six, it's Six months, it's fully developed. At week 38 to 42, the child is born. Science says it's a child. The Bible says it's a child. 
But let me bring you bad news. Our country, since Roe v. Wade, has killed over 62, possibly 63 million children. Former Governor Cuomo of New York celebrated and lit up every building in New York red at the celebration of killing child, children full term in the womb. Governor Northam, former Governor Northam of Virginia, said we'll even take it further when a child is survives an abortion, we'll wrap it in a blanket, and when the mom's ready to kill the child, she can. Current Governor Pritzker of Illinois celebrated this week a law that would let a minor, a child, a young lady that's a minor, kill her child without any notification of the parent. We know at the University of Pittsburgh and also Western Pennsylvania Planned Parenthood that there's an agreement there in the NIH is providing money in that agreement for the harvesting of children. It's in the court documents. You can go see it. That is recent within the last year. University of Pittsburgh is saying, we need more money. Send us more money. We want more children, and we want more children to harvest. And some of those children have beating hearts. It's documented in court documents. Planned Parenthood has harvested body parts of living children. It's in the court system. It has been proven and documented. Over 2,500 children a day are aborted in our country. At 412 DB Todd, where I go Monday through Friday, at least, I know this past week on Monday, over 20 children died. On Tuesday, over 20 children died. Those were the kill days this week. On Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, not as many, but children still died. I know that one of those babies was as old as 22 weeks in the womb. I want to be truthful as your pastor is truthful with you. Our land is polluted with blood. Good news. God is the creator of life. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Psalm 139.16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Your, in your book were written every one of them. The days were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord, the fruit of the womb. Psalm 139 13 through 16 says, for I, formed my, for I formed your inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. In Luke 1, 15, an angel appears to Elizabeth and speaks to her child in the womb. You have Elizabeth pregnant with John the Baptist. You have Mary pregnant with Jesus. The very first response to Jesus was from within the womb. A child filled with the Holy Spirit from within the womb. It wasn't just a clump of cells. Or maybe it was a clump of cells. But let me tell you, you're also a clump of cells as you sit here today. It's not a pro-life a pro-choice issue. It's not a political issue. It's a moral issue. This is a spiritual issue. It's a gospel issue. It's a Jesus issue. And as Christians, we have a moral imperative to stand up and speak for the innocent children in the womb that can't speak for themselves. And this is very much spiritual. 
It is when you look at the scriptures and you look at Lot and the incestuous relationship he had with his two daughters. And from that incestuous relationship came the Moabites and the Ammonites. And it was from that point that they began to sacrifice children to the God of Molech. It is a spiritual issue and God warned his people do not have anything to do with it. But his people ignored it and fell into it and God brought justice to them. And God will bring justice to to us. Where are we today as a city and a country? We're a nation of sexual perversion and child sacrifice. We are a nation that worships at the high places of Molech. Good news. Jesus is king. Thank you for our song leader that reinstated that in several times today. Jesus is king. Amen. He's on the throne. Ephesians 1.20 says that he sits at the right hand of the Father. The gospel is advancing. It says that he's putting the enemy underneath his feet. Psalm 98 is where we get the song, Joy to the World. And I have to make a correction. Forgive me for the person that put the words on the screen. But it's not, the Lord has come. Isaac Watts, when he wrote that song, he said, the Lord is come. And it's wrong English, but he was putting an emphasis on that because he wanted you to know what the Lord has done for you is amazing. But don't forget what the Lord is doing for you now. And the church needs to hear now more than ever, not just what has the Lord has done for us, but what is the Lord doing for us today? He is come. He is alive and well today. He is king and he is Lord and he is on the throne and he is above all rule, all authority. Above every name that is named in this age, including abortion, homosexuality, transgenderism, he's above it all. And every name that is to come that we haven't even heard about, he's above it because he is Lord and he is king. And if he is Lord and king now, how do we not run out that door and go and stand in the midst of the greatest injustice that stands before us today? Listen to Psalm 98. Listen to Psalm 98, verses 1 through 9, where the song Joy to the World comes from. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen his salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre and with the lyre and the sound of melody, with, tri- with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it in the world that those who dwell in it. Let the river clap their hands and the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For He comes to judge the earth and he will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Justice is coming and it's not only coming, it is here. And when I stand on those streets and I'm telling you, I'm the most flipped off man in America. And I've been hit with every drink color from Sonic that you can imagine. The red ones and the blue ones, all of them have been hurled at me. Breakfast burritos from McDonald's, crystals, cheeseburgers. I've been hit with them all because our country and our city is filled with rage. 
in ignorance. And truth will prevail. And when I stand there in the harsh, harshness of our culture, when I'm trying to love somebody and somebody pulls a gun out and says, you say another word to my wife, I'm going to shoot you in your head. You know what I do? I clap. Because justice is coming. If the rivers can clap and the hills can sing and the seas can roar, then we have to do our part. We have to do our part. Psalm 110.1 says, The Lord, sit at my right hand until I make the enemies a footstool under your feet. Listen to Psalm 2. This is a messianic psalm. Hear me, this is a messianic psalm. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against the anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I'll make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. The king is on the mountain of Zion now. He is the Lord now. He has begotten his son. The word begotten there is resurrected. You can go look at Acts 13 to see that in Acts 4. All authority in heaven and earth truly has been given to him. When we look at Matthew 28, 18, it says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Therefore, what? Go, make disciples of all nations. How beautiful it is that the Lord lets us be a part of that. It's not just authority and in heaven, but he says it's in all the earth. Ephesians 1.21 says he is above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, above every name that is named. Philippians 2.9 says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him a name that is above every name. So at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The blessed church of our age will be the one who gets out of the pews and leads the charge against this great injustice. The bold church will be blessed. The engaging church that shepherds its community into the community will be blessed. The church of the pews will fall away and fade away. Boldness is emerging. The true church is emerging and engaging. And as we do this, know this, that the enemy is not sitting back. I sat in a coffee shop in Murfreesboro just over a year ago. I shared a table with a lady. Another lady would join her. I didn't realize that the lady that showed up a little bit later was one of the top people of Planned Parenthood nationally. The lady that was sitting next to me was one of the top people, volunteers regionally. And I just laughed. I said, Lord, you got such a sense of humor. You put me at the same table. Only if they really knew who I was. And I sat there and I said, what do you want me to do, Lord? And he says, listen. And I listened for one hour and I listened to the plan unfold. And I'm just shaking. I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says, speak. And I did. And I told them who I was. And they were like, wow. Their plan is this. 
to go door to door in this county, in Knox County, in Rutherford County, to convince you that what they're doing is good. They're going to go door to door to build support, but they're not only going to individuals, they're looking for soft churches. They said, we need soft churches that will let us in with our message. Is this a soft church? They're looking for soft churches and they're going to knock on this door. So if they're willing to go that far and to be that strategic, how much more so should we be as the church? So what do we do? First and foremost, we repent. I had to do this as a pastor. Repent for my apathy. I've been pro-life in proclamation, but I have had nothing to show for it for decades. I had to repent. And then we pray. And then we take action. The blessing, the Beatitudes, are all conditional. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers go where there is no peace. The peacemaker will be blessed. And that peacemaker is one who goes where there is no peace to bring peace. There is no peace at 412 D.B. Todd. We're called to be salt. We're called to be light. We're called to be rivers of living water. Second Corinthians 5.17, which is a beautiful verse that says that Anybody in Jesus Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. And I love that verse, but don't forget about verse 18 and 19 and 20. Verse 18 says that because the Lord has done that to us, we are now given the ministry of reconciliation. Given the ministry of reconciliation, we go where there's no reconciliation. And we've been given the message of reconciliation. That's verse 19. But verse 20 says that we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. It says in verse 20 that he's going to make his appeal through us. He wants to use the church. What happens if we don't go? It breaks my heart to know that you can drive by 412 D.B. Todd and there not be a Christian there. When there's no Christian there and thousands of people drive by that street every day, when there's nobody there, it just becomes another McDonald's and another Walmart. We can't allow that to happen. We have to bring, even if it's just one person, one person brings conviction to the world and everybody that drives by and lets them know that this isn't okay. Every person that drives by me looks at me in my eyes because I'm looking at them in their eyes and I'm waving at them. And I'm joyful in the midst of the injustice because I want them to know I'm not a hateful person. I'm not a person of condemnation. So if your window's down, I'm telling you, love Jesus. Honor Jesus today, brother. Honor Jesus today, sister. Can I pray with you? I'm praying for you already. Pull over. Let me pray with you. But I'm bringing conviction to every car, and every car has to look at me and say, I'm either for you or I'm against you. And most people are for me. Most people are for us. White, black, brown. They're against abortion. Don't believe what the news says. But hear me, this injustice was created to kill my brown brothers and sisters. Eight out of ten that walk in the door are black. They don't know the truth behind the message. And I'll close here. In the Good Samaritan story, You have a lawyer that's talking to Jesus and he's asking about eternity and what it takes to enter into eternity. And Jesus says, what did the scriptures say? The guy quotes back and he says, to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength 
to love your neighbors yourself. And Jesus says, that's right, go do it. But then the guy wants to justify himself, and he says, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story, right? He says there's a man going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he's robbed, and he's beaten almost to death, and he's laying there. And the priest sees him, ignores him, and goes about his priestly duty. The Levite, going about his duty, sees him, goes to the other side, ignores him, and goes about his duty. But then the Samaritan is walking down the road. He sees him, and it says he has compassion. And he stops, and he helps him there, and he takes him, and he helps him beyond that, and he goes the distance with him. Which one is the church today? Which one are you? Do you have compassion? It's a gift of the Lord. 355 rescues today. The common thread in all of them, the common thread in the three rescues this week, this past week, every one of them have compassion. Every one of them. And when I stop their cars and I get them to roll down their window and I get on one knee and I'm looking at them face to face, I can see right away if they have compassion or if they don't. And if they have compassion, then I know how through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to them, to get them to change their mind in a moment's notice and to leave that parking lot and to let their baby live. They have compassion. Do you? Or do we just go about our priestly duties and sing songs and hymns and do Bible studies and do nothing? Just over a year and a half ago, I was in the woods. I like to backpack. I was on the Appalachian Trail. And I go there to hear from the Lord. I have to get away from the noise of life. I began to, I was in Virginia, deep in the mountains, began to enter in. First 50 feet on that hike, the Lord stopped me and said, Scott, you're to resign as senior pastor of your church and to give up everything, your salary and everything. It's right in the middle of COVID. He says, I need you to be a missionary to the preborn, to the unborn full time for the nation. He said, all right, Lord, we got five days. Let's figure this out. And we did. Just like he burned it into my soul just over six years ago to engage abortion, he burned it into my soul to be a missionary for the unborn. And so for the last year and a half, I have gone every day, Monday through Friday. It's hard. It's risky. It's my resting place. Because I'm in the will of God. In 30 years, those 355 babies will turn into what? 2,000? 3,000? In 60 years? 10,000? I don't know. 
But the Lord has brought me here today. In January, I'll be in Seattle showing people to do what I do on the streets. People are now asking, inquiring across the world. They're saying, how's your ministry so effective? Would you come show us? I was in Phoenix a month ago. I'll be in San Diego in March. I'll be in Cleveland in March. I'll be in Charlotte in February. I'll be in Memphis. I go to Knoxville. The Lord has told me to launch missionaries across our nation. I just launched a missionary in Memphis. We just launched another one in Nashville because they're killing children in Mount Juliet at Carafone. And so the Lord says there's over 600 Planned Parenthoods. Let's put a missionary at each one of them. I said, all right, Lord, let's go. Let's do it. That's where I need help. Maybe you can't stand with me every day. Maybe somebody in this room is filling the call. Come, I'll show you how to do it. I'll show you how to see, hear, and respond through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll show you. But maybe God has made you good in business. He's like, you know what, I I got another way I can get behind you. John was a farmer. John Lewis lives in Lexington, Tennessee. would drive two hours a couple times a week to stand with me and learn. Seven months he did that. We just launched him in Memphis. In two months, he's rescued over 12 children, a farmer from Lexington. I said, John, I got you. Any need your mom has, I got. And that's what we do because that's what Christians do. We go the distance, the Good Samaritan story. We go the distance and we make disciples. And in the midst of that, we meet a lot of needs. And that's what we do. I want to show you a few pictures, and this is how we'll close. Brother Ken, yeah, this is uh, actually Paisley. She was just born this past week. Just born this past week. Isn't she beautiful? Let's go to the next one. Silas. His mom was Buddhist. She was going in to kill Silas, and then she was going to check out and kill herself. They hadn't eaten food in two days. Isn't that interesting that people in our community go hungry? It's hard to believe, but they do. I said, let's go get groceries. We went and got groceries. I said, you come to church. I've got a food pantry. I'll give you groceries every week. And she would come. And guess what? Gospel, gospel, food, gospel, food. I would baptize Silas's mom. She's no longer a Buddhist. She's a Christian. Nobody killed themselves. And that little boy was just in my home uh, about six weeks ago. Isn't he beautiful? My latest rescue this week was a Hindu couple. I had two escorts behind me. And I knew that if somebody pulled into the parking lot, that I wouldn't be able to stop them from killing their child. And so there was a car driving down the road. And I knew that this car was coming in. I said, Holy Spirit, you tell me what to do in this moment. The couple, the Hindu couple looked at me, and I looked at them. I saw that they were coming in, and I just went, that way. (laughs) Instead of turning right into Planned Parenthood, they turned left. And I ran across the street, ran across the street in traffic, and I stopped them. And they were looking at me puzzled, and I said, let me tell you why I told you to turn this way. I shared with them humility, love, in truth. I said, why are you here? We have a daughter that's nine. We have a daughter that's five. We want a son. 
She's pregnant, 10 weeks pregnant, with her third daughter. And just on one knee, looking at them eye to eye, I looked at that woman and I said, you love your nine-year-old? You love your five-year-old? I do. Would you die for them? I would. Then die for this one. Die for this one. You're a mother of three girls right now. Don't let this place steal from you for the rest of your life and steal from these siblings. They deserve their sister. Leave. And she left. We'll walk with her and we'll help her. Let me show you another picture. That's Genesis, just south of here. 17-year-old mom with her mom going in. Had their hand on the door, said, give prayer a chance. They came over, they gave prayer a chance. They left. We went to Burger King together. I was having breakfast with them. I said, let's name the child. They said, we don't know what it's going to be, boy or girl. I said, who cares? Let's name the child. Genesis. Isn't that beautiful? Named him Burger King on Charlotte. Next picture. Abigail, another daughter, 16 years old, actually 15. Mom, they pull up to the fence. They don't see me. I go up on the ladder, come up over the fence. Pastor Scott here, can I pray with you? Mom went in the rage. The daughter was confused. I said, I can help you. Through a lot of tears, a lot of emotion, they said, how can you help me? There's Abigail. Any more? my very first rescue, Austin J., the one I told you about at the very beginning. He's almost six years old now. Six years old. Yeah. Anything else? This was taken last week. It's Keyshawn. Me and Keyshawn. His mom stood in front of me, said, I'm alone. I said, no, you're not. I'm alone. No, you're not. I've got a thousand people behind me who will walk with you. What do you need? I don't have anything. What do you need? I need clothes. She was with her one-year-old, Kingston. He goes, he has nothing. I said, I'll bless you. Meet me at Coles and Smyrna at 6.30. You actually go shop. I'll meet you at the counter at 7, and I'll pay for it. Spend $150. She went. She shopped. I walked in. She had all the clothes on the counter. Just at $150. And I was getting ready to pay for it, and a guy walked in behind me and said, you're Scott. I said, I am. And he looks around and he goes, I think I know what's going on here. He goes, I've got this. And he looks at her and he says, the Lord told me to tell you, you're not alone. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And so the mother of this Laterica lives in Memphis now. We walk with her. We walk with her and it's awesome. It's awesome because that's what the church does. That's what the church does. Lord, thank you for this time. And thank you for allowing me to present such a tough topic in the church. There's many churches that just don't want to hear it. And I'm thankful for Pastor Bill and the opportunity that he has opened here today. Lord, if uh, you are calling somebody today to be involved in this ministry, whether it be a missionary like me or uh, just somebody to come stand with me or just to utilize their resources to bless this ministry, Lord, burn it in their heart like you have in mine. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for the 355 rescues. Thank you for the salvations that have come through that. And Lord, we pray uh, that you'll work your mighty hand in this country and end this injustice and put me out of a job. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.
Well, I bet you've never heard anything like that, have you? Stand up. You will, please. You know, every violation in the world uh, is made in order to justify uh, taking the life of boys and girls. I'm always reminded of our Constitution that begins, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created, they're created equal. And they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And among these are what? Life. That's the very first one. Among these are life. Then liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Well, there's no liberty and it certainly can't be any pursuit of happiness if you're deprived of life. Now, this man has a, no, no doubt in my mind, he has a, a, a God-called ministry. Uh, we have, this church, uh, Scott, is not in the habit of uh, taking up gifts. We have already given you a gift, and, we're go, and it's a nice gift. But it comes from the people that worship here. I want you to know that. And, of course, if any of you want to know more about his ministry, you can do that uh, by going on the Internet and finding out about it. But when you... If you supported, supported this church, you're part of that gift that we gave him, and we gave him a nice and generous gift. We want to do more. I'd like to see this church support that ministry. I think it's worthy of support, and this is the kind of thing that we're looking for. I mean, a man that does what he does has to be called to that work, and he'll tell you he has learned He's growing and learning how to talk to people, and, and he's also now extended to other places, going and trying to train others and showing them how to engage people. I'm going to ask uh, maybe Dr. Foster and, and Dr. Turner to, to escort uh, Scott out there so that when y'all leave today, you can say hello to him. If you have any questions for him, you can ask him any question. If you have anything you want to give him individually, that's between you and the Lord. Uh, but we want to support ministries like this. Here we are in the midst of the beginning of the holiday season, speaking of the most, thinking of the most important birth in history, the birth of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. I couldn't think of a better time to have him come and talk to us than now. Pray for him, will you? Pray for him. Let him know you support him. And when you support this work, you support ministries like that. That's worthy to be supported. I'm going to dismiss you, and I hope you will be very, very careful here in the next few days because although there's a lot of joy going on, there's a lot of other things going on too. And a lot of people die by accident and otherwise while they're here. So please be very careful. We're glad to have also, not only do we have Deef and Mary Jane and their kids from Mozambique, but I just noticed a young man that grew up in this church walked in here, Howie Smith. So we're glad to have you, Howie, here in the Marine Corps. We're glad to have him come in and worship with us. Let's pray. Our Father, we call upon you in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ who loved us who gave himself for us, who suffered and bled and died to put away our sins. We pray, Father, for Scott Hoard, 
Thank you for his boldness. Thank you for you putting upon his heart to have this ministry. Help us to do all we can, Lord, not only to petition you for blessings upon him, but to support him financially in every other way that we can. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for the sins of apathy and indifference that while many are going out into eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we sit in our comfortable buildings and really we're not burdened for them. I ask you to give us a burden, give this church a burden, give each of us a burden for the lost that we might during this time be witnesses, be lights shining in a world of darkness. We pray, Father, that your name will be glorified, that our Lord Jesus Christ will be lifted up. We pray these things, asking you to bless us as we part. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for his sake, amen.